You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. Episode 201, a very big milestone mm-hmm. episode. First one after episode 200. Now, that yes, doesn't happen yes. very often, does it? <laughs> no. Usually, you stop at 200. We, we thought about it and then... No, no we didn't. <laughs> How you going, mate? Oh, we're back here again. I'm doing well. How was, uh, how was FinFest? I'm very jealous I wasn't able to go to this uh, big Australian uh, financial conference kind of thing mm. over the weekend. How was it? Yeah, it was great. Had a really good time. Um, lots of Met lots of people that follow uh, both my YouTube channel, but also the Young Investors Podcast. So, shout out to all the people that came up um, that recognized me from the Young Investors Podcast. It was good to talk to you. Um, yeah, it was a really good That's event. Awesome. Bryce and Alec from uh, from Equity Mates, they did a great job in, in hosting it. And um, Stake, the guys from Stake were there. I think they were the major sponsor of the event. Um, right. So, it's good to catch up with those guys as well. Um, yeah, it was just really, really good. I actually... I was I was so busy talking to creators and um and 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 you guys that um I didn't actually attend any of the like conference things like by the speakers <laughs> themselves. Um I actually that's not true. I kind of attended. There was a main stage. There were two stages you where one, you had to put the headphones on. It was like the silent disco kind of setup. And then oh, there was okay. a main stage. So I no, I did attend a couple at the main stage, truth be told. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, it was it, good. Um, it was good meeting all you guys. And, uh, you know, if you're one of the creators that I met as well, it was really, really good to, to meet. There was, there's, we got a lot of, uh, Australian creators, a lot of short form creators as well, which is interesting. TikTok, Instagram. Yeah. It's, How's um, your wedding it, though? It's, oh, the wedding. Yeah. The wedding was great. All I was going to say is it's hard to remember, uh, or it, it's, it's hard to tell how many creators there really are until mm. you kind of go to these events and, and uh, you, you kind of see everyone come together because we're all so isolated in a way yep. um, with with kind of what we do, and then these events kind of bring everyone together, and it's it's crazy how many um, how many people there are though. But yeah, the, the wedding was good. Yeah, it was good fun. So nice. I, yeah, I didn't have a boring weekend, that's for sure. Um, that's good. I uh, but yeah, no, nah, we'll definitely have to. Uh, hopefully, they'll. I presume they'll probably do another one of those festivals next year or conferences next year. I would presume. I hope uh, so. Hopefully it, it went well enough that yeah. <laughs> it gets another year. But yeah, it looked crazy how how well they set it up. The main stages were very impressive. It was uh yeah, it wasn't um it wasn't like cheaply done or anything like that. No, so, no, yeah, yeah. I was talking to Bryce and Alec. I, I won't get obviously into the details, but um it seems like a very big challenge to put on an event. Like I think oh, yeah. those those guys have worked incredibly hard to pull it off. Um yeah. So big ups to them because I think they did it. It was a really su- successful event. There was heaps of people there. So, yeah, they did it. But, yeah, hopefully we can do something. I had a quick chat to some of the state guys and they said they'd be interested in potentially doing some sort of other event, potentially with us. But, but that was all just like maybe, maybe, maybe. So we'll see. See yeah. if something comes of that. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it was good fun, really good fun. Hopefully they do it next year and we can all go along. But, uh, yeah, with that said, what are we talking about today, Hamish? Yeah, we've what got, are you talking uh, about? 
Well, we've got some inflation data out of the US and the UK. I think mm. you, uh, you're you going to take us through the UK and I'll take us through the US. Yep. Uh, and it's earnings season. It uh, is. Earnings season it? is upon us. It, it's really, it really snuck up on us. I, um, I wasn't really expecting it, to be honest. It was like, oh. It's already starting this week, and he always kicks off with yeah. the with the big uh, the banks. I think were last week, um, but they're boring. No one cares about them. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, this week and next week and the week after that will be uh, a lot of the businesses. I think that uh, some of us will be interested in tech related companies, the high flyers, and and some of the high flyers that are not so high flyers anymore. Yeah. Uh, stumbling through twenty twenty two. So I'm going to talk about Netflix, uh, which happened, uh, which re- reported just uh, this week, uh, and a couple of other things around Netflix as well it's been a big couple of weeks for netflix so a few things to talk about there right um what else have we got tesla um, yeah we'll i'll take i'll take us through tesla yep i'll take us through tesla big big quarter for tesla so very interested uh very interesting uh data out of there there's a lot of stuff to cover with tesla <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i'm looking forward to it, it should All be right. i think it'll be a pretty jam-packed episode i'm excited to hear about netflix too always like talking netflix anyway should we get into it yeah, today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite, which is an application you can use to track the performance of your stock portfolio. So you can bring in all of your trades either automatically uh, or you can uh, by connecting your broker or you can download your trades using Excel or enter them in one by one, whatever you want to do. And once you do that, it will allow you to track all the gains and losses in your portfolio. So capital gains, dividends. If you have dividend reinvestment plans, it will do those calculations for you. Currency gains, if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies, currency exchange has been a big one this year, uh, especially the US dollar has gotten stronger against pretty much every other currency. Mm, so that. if you have shares in the US, uh, then you have a net benefit from that and, and vice versa. So uh, you want to make sure that you're tracking that and it's really hard to do without using something like ShareSite, which is able to obviously grab the data in real time uh, all like constantly. Uh, and then you can also use ShareSite uh, to, uh, for tax time. So ShareSite generates up to 12 different reports that can be used to track the performance of your portfolio, as well as use the tax time to work out things such as capital gains, dividend income, and more. Uh, at the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to sharesite.com forward slash young investors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T, sharesite.com forward slash young investors. So use that link, sign up to a free plan for as long as you want, uh, or you can also use that link to sign up uh, to a paid plan and you'll get four months off a yearly subscription if you use that link. So go check it out. Uh, if you're interested. And thanks, as always, to everyone who uses that link and is supporting the podcast. Mm, yeah. All right, where should we begin? Where should we... Do we... What, what right. do you want? You want to do do some, we want to leave inflation till later and do some uh, yeah. do some earnings? Yeah, we can... Well, I can kick us off with Netflix and yeah, um, sure. we'll probably take the entire episode as always so um <laughs> no, I'll, I'll try and keep it uh <laughs> i tried so hard to just keep it to like the the main points but there actually is quite a lot that happened with netflix so yeah. um i think it's important to talk about yeah definitely uh, the first thing before we even get to earnings uh last week they launched their new ad supported tier so right. um this was uh something that everyone was expecting from Netflix. They announced that they were going to be doing this about six months ago, uh, but no one was really expecting them to get it out so quick. Um, it's only been six months and that's kind of insane that they've been able to go from not really even thinking about ads uh, to getting an ad, a, 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 an ad model out uh, in six months. So 
kind of crazy. Uh, some details on it. Uh, it's going to sit below the three existing tiers. So they're not putting ads on any of the current plans. Uh, they're still having the basic standard and premium. And then they basically have, uh, basically, they have a basic with ads, uh, which is the same as the basic plan with ads. Uh, basic, basic, $10, basic, 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 basic. How many times can I say basic in one sentence? Uh, <laughs> instead of $10, it'll be $7. And then um, there'll be some advertisements played. So uh, that's kind of what they release. And they gave us some information around uh, where it'll be operating and that sort of thing. So uh, they're launching in 12 countries starting in November, uh, Australia, Brazil, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Korea, Mexico, Spain, the UK, and the US. Uh, and those markets actually account for more than half of their revenue. So they're launching uh, in a massive way very, very quickly, which is not something that, again, most people expected. I think, as I said, probably a few months ago, uh, I expected them to launch in Australia because we're usually like a test market and uh, we have a developed ad market. And they were definitely going to launch in the US and the UK. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're launching across quite a wide um, spectrum of, of different countries. And across those different countries, there's obviously different pricing points and that sort of thing. So um, interesting to see them get it up so quickly. Yeah. And I think uh, it must be something to do with their collaboration with Microsoft being able to do it so quickly. I'm just yeah. looking because I couldn't remember, but yeah, Microsoft is powering Netflix ad supported tier yep. that was announced in yep. July, I think. Netflix named yep. Microsoft as the exclusive technology and sales partner to help power their first ad supported tier. Since yep. then, teams from Microsoft and Netflix have been working hard to make this new tier really okay. They celebrate the announcement. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah there you go. So, I don't I don't quite know how that all works. But yeah, um, so, so, I, I would imagine yeah. that that's, that's the reason why they're able to do it so quickly is because they've got the flipping yep. muscle of Microsoft to come in and be like, don't worry, guys, this is what you need to do. We'll do it. We've done it. Here yep. you go. Yeah. So, Microsoft already has significant, uh, obviously, tech infrastructure teams and also sales, uh, ad sales teams. So, they were able to kind of integrate those very quickly. And uh, Netflix is uh, building out an internal ad team as well. Right. Um, but yeah, being able to partner with Microsoft allowed them to just get it up really, really quickly. Uh, yeah. And that was, as you, what did you say? July. So, that was news from kind of a few months yeah, ago. That's fast. <laughs> um, and they've just, yeah, just a couple of months ago. Now, they're, now they're rolling it out. They gave us a lot of detail in terms of um, how many ads and that sort of thing. So, they're oh, okay. going to be doing four to five minutes of ads per hour, um, which is a pretty light load um, for, if you think about television ads, it's like, it's more like 15 minutes of ads. Mm. Um, so, it's quite a light load um, just to start off with, which is what you would expect. Um, 15 to 30 second uh, mid-roll ads as well as pre-roll ads, pretty standard stuff. Um, nothing, um, nothing too crazy. On the conference call at the earnings, they gave a little bit more um, detail about this. They expect to be the unit economics of this plan to be uh, neutral to slightly positive compared to the basic plan. So they essentially think that they'll be able to recover the the difference in the the, the price uh, with ads, and there may be a little bit more to cover the additional cost that comes with um, doing ad sales and that sort of thing. Obviously, there is some additional bit cost. of overhead. Yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, but, and then on top of that, so they think they'll be about neutral. They're not expecting to kind of it to be much better or much worse than their existing plans in terms of revenue. Um, but they do expect, of course, to be able to drive higher revenues through capturing new subscribers. So, um, that's something interesting to hear because a lot of people were worried that there would be a lot of cannibalization, that 
people would unsubscribe from basic or from standard or premium or something and then subscribe to the ad version and that it would hurt their business. Um, from what they're looking at, they believe that they'll be about neutral. Um, so it shouldn't pe- matter. Even if people switch. Yeah, exactly mm. right. And they spoke. Yeah, go on. I was just, no, I was going to say something completely different. I wonder how this will, once it starts getting rolled out, how it will be received. Because I think there's two kind of ad environments. There's the television ad environment uh, ad environment where you, you know that you're going to watch X amount of minutes of a show and then you're going to watch a couple of minutes worth of ads. You know, people stand up, they walk out of their lounge room, they might go get a snack, go to the bathroom, come back. And by the time mm. they come back, the ads are over, they're ready to go. Do people... Do people that want a cost-effective way to get into Netflix see it like that? Or is there so much, uh, you know, laptop, desktop, mobile watch watches of, of Netflix that they, they see it more like a skippable environment? Because I think when you get to mm. desktop, mobile and uh, desktop, laptop, mobile, the, the ad... Uh, structure is very much more of a skippable. Like you watch a yeah. certain amount and then you're able to skip. And even on uh, sites like Amazon Prime, Prime Video, um, mm. even their ads, you can skip them. You can just go with yeah. your remote, boop, skip. So I wonder how it's going to be received. Are people going to have the yeah. have the expectation of it being like a TV ad and sit through them? Yeah. Or are they going to get really, really annoyed? Because how annoying is it when you watch a YouTube video and you cop and you a 15 skip. second unskippable? <laughs> it makes yeah. you rage. It makes you rage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is funny that that uh, kind of different environment. I mean, the vast majority of people watch Netflix on a television. So th- for most people, the experience will be similar to television. But yeah, you're right. It is kind of a different expectation when you're on a computer. You kind of you want something to do in the, because yeah you're right like you can the, the standard thing is to get up and do something else uh maybe, you, maybe you check your phone maybe you check your phone even but if you're yep. watching on your phone you can't check your phone while yeah. the ad's playing um so it, it is interesting um but it is it is kind of a it also speaks to likely the more effectiveness of the ads um and the higher price they can charge than television ads because people are more likely to be watching the ads rather than television where you get these massive slabs of three minute ad blocks and people actually do get up and leave whereas if it's Mm. 15 second 30 second skip like not skippable 15 second 30 second ad you're probably just going to sit there and watch the ad and then and then it resumes programming so yep uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe they're more effective ads, so they have to run less of them to generate the same amount of revenue. Maybe that's how it works out. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah, and and we don't know. Uh, someone asked that question: um, How much are they uh, on the uh, the conference call? How much uh, are they charging for ads? They didn't answer the question. There was a leak a little while ago that they were charging a sixty five dollars CPM, which is insanely high. Um, so high. we don't know if that's true. Um, but if they're able to get that, then yeah, it makes perfect sense why they're able to run far less ads um, under this model. So I don't think they yeah. can charge that. That's insane. It seems insane, right? Yeah. I, I don't think they can either. No. Um, and it, it was interesting because they also spoke about how they were selling ads. So uh, basically, f- just to get it up really quickly, they just sold a block of inventory of ads uh, at a set price. Um, and then after that, they'll go into a typical bidding system, which is what most um, how most advertisers pay for ads. They kind of bid and compete uh, based on the demand for particular ad uh, placements. Uh, but just, just to get it up really quickly, I don't know how long they sold blocks of inventory for, probably three, six months, maybe a bit longer. Uh, they just sold it at a fixed price. So uh, I guess it's possible that they sold at a really high CPM, but then later on um, it might kind of go down over time. So mm. um, 
So yeah, that was last week. Um, and then this week they reported their earnings uh, and uh, the markets were very happy about earnings. Um, mm. But uh, it, it, was kind of, it was kind of a mixed bag. I, don't, I wouldn't say it was overly optimistic. It was kind of just, uh, uh, it was better than expected, I think. <laughs> and the expectations for Netflix were rock bottom. So um, <laughs> that, <that's, laughs> it would have been hard for them not to have hit. I mean, they only projected forward 1 million subscriber ads and that's after losing a million the quarter before. So um, they were just expecting to kind of hum along. Uh, mm-hmm. They ended up adding 2.4 million uh, subscribers uh, and uh, total revenue came in at 7.9 billion for the quarter up 5.9% year over year. So uh, revenue growth is very, very slow. Uh, And one of the big reasons for that is foreign exchange. Um, I think we've kind of spoken about this a a little bit recently, Mm. how the strengthening US dollar is really bad, uh, at least in the short term, for businesses that collect revenue in foreign currencies and then have expenses in US dollars because those expenses stay the same, but they collect less uh, US currency dollars. when they they collect less US dollars when they do the conversion right yep. so um, that's been Netflix's story if you exclude the FX impact revenue was up 13% oh wow so that's the big growth yeah. was, the growth was slapped in half basically even Jeez. a little bit more by the strengthening US dollar so yeah it really does show you how dramatic mm. dramatically the US dollar has gotten stronger yep. recently and it's not something um, like in the long term generally these things even out but th- this is just something where it can have a sizable impact in the yeah. short term yeah so it's not necessarily an issue or a worry or something you're like oh no. this changes my investment thesis yeah. but yeah in the short term it can play havoc with the uh, short-term profitability stats revenue stats etc yeah yeah it's just it's just one of those unknowable things i yeah. mean who, who could have known that the u.s was going to be the most aggressive first at interest rate increases which is really the whole dollar strength story yeah um who, who knows what comes next maybe the uk is very aggressive next and then the balance between those two shifts and they're collecting more they're collecting more from their uk customers then or maybe it's australia's increases so whatever it is wherever the rate hikes come from or, or rate lowerings um will we'll just you know affect that over time so um there's yeah, that there you go uh they uh, spoke about engagement, which is something uh, Netflix always focuses on. How much time are people spending consuming uh, Netflix? And um, really good news for investors is they now have engagement data from the UK. So up until now, they've only had US data uh, from Nielsen, which does uh, tracks um, TV usage in the US. Uh, now there's a company called Barb. Well, this company has been around for a while, but uh, Netflix is now a part of it. Uh, Broadcasters Audience Research Board, which now takes a look at streaming engagement in the UK. Very similar to Nielsen in the US. Uh, and uh, Netflix, as of September, had 8.2% share of viewing. Uh, and the next closest was Amazon Prime at 3.6, which is uh, very, very similar to the US. Um, pretty much the percentages were almost identical to the US. So it shows that uh, the, the way people view streaming content in the UK is very similar to the US, um, which I guess shouldn't be too surprising. Um, but uh, still interesting to see. Uh, and then just the last thing, just uh, on their content, uh, two of the shows that they released this quarter were the two of Netflix's biggest shows of all time, which is kind of crazy, right? Wow. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, the I think it's called Monster Jeffrey Dahmer or something. Um, about a serial, it, no. killer, serial killer in the 80s. Um, right. Great show. I haven't actually finished it, but uh, I've watched a few episodes. It's quite good. Um, 824 million hours watched. That's the second highest uh, in Netflix's history. And uh, number one, of course, was Stranger Things 4, 1.35 billion hours watched. 
um, wow. best of all time. So, yeah, I mean, That's insane. Can't, really, can't really complain about their content. I mean, they've had their two mm. biggest shows in the last quarter. That's pretty much as good as it gets. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's been interesting to kind of see that. But They've done very, um, very well at creating... Uh, vi- it's almost viral, like viral video, yeah. but it's viral TV shows. Think mm. of what are some of the, like the Tiger King one that was Netflix, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like Squid, Squid Game. Game. They just have and, the uh, knack Queen's of Queen's Gambit. Yeah, it's, it's, they have the yeah. knack. Whereas some other other streaming services just don't quite have that same capability of creating that ultra mega viral TV show. Yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned that because the management team spoke about that specifically oh, really? and why they think that is. And they think it's because of their binge model. So they they posted like a, a Google Trends chart and showed that Google Trends for House of Dragon, Lord of the Rings, which both come out um, uh, weekly, and then compared that to Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, yeah, House of Dragon has a much more prolonged um, viewing experience. It kind of has little peaks every week as the new episodes come out. But the Jeffrey Dahmer was the peak, the highest peak was like three times. So the search volume, as soon as it comes out, when everyone is able to binge the whole series is, is kind of explosive. And it was just basically Netflix saying, we're going to continue to do this. Although they are definitely testing some week by week and that sort of thing as well. Um, but it is interesting. I feel like I feel like my opinion on it is is that it depends on the show. I feel like for something like House of Dragon, where there's probably a lot of fan theories and discussions, I think week by week makes sense. But for something like Jeffrey Dahmer, where it's a true story, uh, and there's not really any theories you would come up with on a week by week episode, it's kind of just, oh my god, go watch this. It's crazy. Mm. Uh, it's insane what this guy did. Uh, it kind of makes sense in that case. There's not really any spoilers or anything like that, if that makes yeah. sense. So I feel like different shows could have uh, different models uh, for release. Yeah, especially with that uh, show like the Jeffrey Dahmer. It's like if, if you just stopped after episode one, people would be like, oh, oh, I wonder what happened. Oh, what, what happened to this guy? You know, we're, I'm getting so into it. And then they just look it up. <laughs> like they wouldn't yeah, have to wait. Yeah, it's so, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, yeah, I, I find like, especially with those true story, like the, the murder ones and that sort of thing, uh, you don't, no one really spoils it for anybody. They kind of just, you can't really spoil it. You know, he's nah, going to really. kill a bunch of people. <laughs> like, yeah. like you can't really spoil it. Whereas like House of Dragon, um, Rings of Power, I get it. Like people want to come up with fan theories and discuss with their friends and they don't want someone to be finished and someone's halfway through the season. So that makes sense to me. But uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see how the space evolves over time. Yeah. I don't cool. have. Um, I'm re- I'm recording my audio behind me, so I can't see how long we've been going for, and I don't know how long I just spoke for. Was uh, that, we was are that at the 22 really minute mark. We're at the 22 <laughs> oh, minute mark. Bad. Nah, okay, that's I'm not sorry. too bad. We I'm sorry, I'll shut up now. We um, we probably started. <clears throat> you only probably been speaking for like 12, 13 minutes. It's not too bad at all. Okay, not, not too bad. It's not bad. Is is that all we've got for Netflix this time around? You got a little that's bit more. That's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, I've got more, but <laughs> no. I'll, 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 <laughs> all right, all right. But uh, to access that information, you need to join Hamish's private community. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Should we talk about Tesla? Yeah, yeah. What's been going on with Tesla? All right, I got to time myself now. You've had your Netflix. Now it's over to me for the Tesla section. Yeah, the remaining uh, 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love Tesla so much. People always think I'm so, so well, I am a Tesla fanboy. I wear all like the merch and I've got the car and stuff. 
everybody's always mm. like, oh, but I thought you were a value investor. It's like, I'm just a fan of the flipping company for Christ's sake. I do hold <laughs> Tesla stock in, in, in all honesty, but I did buy it back in 2017 and I haven't bought much of it since. Anyway, um, so last <laughs> week, last week we saw record deliveries, 343,000. Um, yeah. So that was exciting. But now we can add record revenue, record operating profit and record free cash flow to the mix, which is interesting. Wow. And worth noting, I mean, worth noting, this is a time where costs are rising. Well, at least in Q3, costs were definitely rising. Um, And yeah, I've just written like, forget about the valuation. We're not talking about buying and selling stocks. Um, I just think that this is a really interesting business example of, uh, you know, a company that is still able to grow in a period of economic weakness. Like how many companies have been pulling back, been, you know, struggling now that the the market's tanked and, uh, you know, rates are rising. But this is a really interesting example of a company that hasn't been affected by, uh, well, financially, they really haven't been that affected. They've been able to continue growing and growing and growing and pushing record result after record result, despite what's happening in the economy. So anyway, I thought it's interesting. Let me take you through it. Um, So, as I said, 343,800 deliveries for Q3, up 42% year over year. It's a bit of growth. Solar solar deployed 94 megawatts, which is up 14% year over year. Then battery storage, uh, 2,100 megawatt hours, up 62% year over year. So, a lot more battery storage, a lot more power walls, mega packs, that kind of thing. Um, store and service locations up 16% year over year and supercharges up 33% year over year. So that's the first place I like to start with Tesla. It's all operational. I like to see, you know, how they're going and growing the various aspects of their business. Um, obviously the automotive, just car production deliveries is the most important, but still, you know, they have a pretty decent sized energy business. Yeah. Um, from there, uh, their financials, so their automotive revenue was $18.7 billion, up 55% year over year. So, total revenue, so $18.7 billion was automotive. Total revenue was $21.4 billion. So, you can see it's mostly car mostly sales. Auto still. Um, total revenue was also up 56% year over year. Right. Automotive gross margin was 27.9%. Okay, which is slightly down year over year. It was 30.5% a year ago. But if you yeah. have a look at this, their operating expenses have grown just 2% year over year. Okay. Wow. And thus, their operating margin, Tesla's operating margin is now at 17.2% versus 14.6% Q3 last year. And this is for a company that's primary business right now is just selling cars. Mm. So, yeah. It, for, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I was going to say, it, it perfectly makes sense that you would see gross margin decline, uh, cost of materials, cost of delivery and, and shipping. All of those things have been getting, just for any business, have been getting more expensive. So, that makes perfect sense. But yeah, their ability to, uh, as they've scaled, I guess, um, have some significant efficiencies on, you'd expect efficiencies on both their gross margin and operating. Um, but yeah, even through an inflationary period to have that kind of... Um, to kind of have that scale efficiencies, unit economics is um, is really interesting. Yeah, hundred really percent. So, um, yeah, for context, this operating margin seventeen point two percent for Tesla. Uh, that's higher than the S and P five hundred Q two average operating margin of about fifteen percent, wow. and it absolutely obliterates the auto industry average operating margin of about eight percent. So, yeah, that's insane. 
very impressive. I mean, this is essentially, I know, don't, don't at me. I know in the future, like, right, they're working on so many things. But right now, if you just, if you didn't look at anything else and just what their business looks like right at this very moment and where they make their money, Tesla is an auto company. That's how they make their money. They sell cars. They build and sell cars. And that's how they make the money. I know full self-driving, blah, 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 all in the future. Yeah. Just look there. So, for a car, for right now, a company that sells cars to have a- um, operating margin up at 17.2%, I think is quite impressive, actually. Mm. And uh, even to go a step further than that, if you looked at the economics of other electric automakers uh, who are doing that at scale, uh, most, of them are, uh, most of them are unprofitable at mm. uh, an operating margin. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, that even speaks more yeah. volume because it is it is a different way of uh, producing cars. It, there's, there's, different, uh, there's different systems involved. So... Uh, yeah, the fact that they're beating the whole auto industry is insane. And then, yeah, they're clearly destroying anyone who's yeah. even close to if they're a pure um, uh, electric automaker. So, so really, that's yeah. actually a really good point. I didn't even think about that, but that's a very <laughs> good point. Um, okay, so overall operating income came in at $3.7 up 84% year over year. Gap net income was $3.3 billion. Um, capital expenditures <laughs> came in pretty standard. Sorry, what were you going to say? All I was gonna say is just crazy how with just a with their operating expenses not going up, fifty percent on the top line, eighty four percent on the operating income yeah. is just that just shows you uh, <laughs> just the the, the insane uh, difference just from the, the, the um, becoming more efficient. It's um, yeah, it's, it's just, impressive, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is impressive. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? CapEx came in pretty standard 1.8 billion for the quarter, um, but the stronger cash flow from operating activities, which was uh, 5.1 billion, gave them a record of 3.297 billion free cash flow. Um, and they increased the cash on their books by about $2 billion. So they're now up to $21.1 billion of cash. Um, but this is the thing, right? So Tesla's market cap is now $696 billion. They just made $3.3 billion in the quarter of free cash flow. Annualized, that's $13.2 billion in free cash flow. Price to free cash flow of 52 So, bit exy, bit exy. But mm. if you just take a step away from that, year-to-date, the stock is down 44.5%. And on the conference call, Elon spoke about how he and the board are now trying to buy back Tesla stock. Why? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Um, on the yeah. conference call himself, Elon said both he and the board thinks it makes sense. He said it's possible for them to do a 5 to $10 billion buyback, um, even if next year is very difficult economically. And it's right. likely that they'll do some meaningful buyback then. So... I mean, traditionally, you look at that and you're like, whoa, yeah, uh, you just burning your money. But I, and I'm kind of torn because I also think like Elon's not stupid. The Tesla board are not stupid. They are very careful what they spend their money on. So they yeah. must, re- they must really, really back themselves over the next five yeah. to 10 years. They must be like, okay, sure. If you just look at our data now and we do a buyback, this looks silly. But we yeah. we genuinely believe in five years, in 10 years, we will be here. Our business will be here. Our stock will be here. And therefore, if we can buy back shares now after they've dropped 44% or whatever I said in uh, yeah, 44.5% in 2022, then we'll still be coming yeah. out, coming up on top. 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. I don't, no, what's I don't know your about give, that. Give me, your honest, <laughs> give me your honest thoughts on that. Well, my honest thoughts on that is when you have a company, $3.3 in free cash flow, they have $20 billion in cash on their books. I, like, I mean, if they can get a decent amount, if they could invest that in the business and get a 15 or so percent return, they can significantly increase that. Three point three billion just immediately if they could if they had yeah. a way of deploying the twenty billion now maybe it's obviously an industry that's very capital intensive so uh, it, it could be it could be very a very difficult environment to do some of the expansion that that maybe Elon, Elon plans to do over the next five years mm. maybe it's not a good the next couple of years are going to be um, much more expensive to do it or much more difficult to do it so you know. Obviously, I don't understand the auto industry, so Actually, it could just be the case that yeah. yeah, right now the best use of cash is in their stock, especially if he does think that the earnings can uh, appreciate significantly. But yeah, I don't know the value of the business. I'd have to, mm. if I had an insight into the value of the business, I'd have a better idea of yeah. uh, if this is insane or not. Um, but yeah, I, I don't it's know. interesting on that topic of um, putting you know putting that money back into the business to grow. He actually did comment on that, yeah. which I found interesting. He said yeah. that Tesla pretty much maxed out at how quickly they can spend money and grow effectively. And yeah. he said that the primary constraint for that was with the labor market conditions. They actually can't get enough engineers People. to do what they need to take that next step. Yeah. And that's yeah. what Elon, he went on a bit of a rant on the earnings call. He was saying like, people think that like we can just grow and grow and grow and the engineers just like, you can just pluck them off trees and just be like, can you build this factory? <laughs> yeah. But he's like, it's yeah. really hard to find really good engineers that can do what Tesla needs them to do to to grow. So I thought that was yeah. very interesting. I hadn't really thought about that, but it definitely put things in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke about that last week as well. I mean, the labor market in the US is as tight as it's ever been. I think it was the lowest since... December 2019 and before that it was the lowest since 1968 or 69 or something like that so um, it's just it's even if there's just there's not enough people there's no people that for them to hire so um, yeah that, that make that actually makes perfect sense uh, into why they would look for other uses of the cash because labor conditions are not going to be this tight forever uh, that's just that's just not how economics works so that means that there'll be points in the future where it'll be easier for them to uh, get those engineers and then scale. So that, yeah, that makes sense. And look, that's the case with most businesses. That's why most businesses pay dividends, even growing businesses or do share repurchases. Um, they produce more cash than they can physically deploy. Uh, and obviously some businesses are very good at deploying it and others are not, but there, there is, there is physical limits to, to how quickly, you know, some businesses can, uh, can expand. So, um, yeah, if they think, if they think buying back the stock makes sense, um, I'd probably take a dividend and put it somewhere else, but <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know the valuation. No, of that's Tesla, fair. So I shouldn't really, it's I very really hard to make a call but... unless you have a strong sense of what they're going to be like in the future. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing with Tesla. This is why there's so much argument over the valuation of Tesla is that people come to different yeah. conclusions on what the future will look like for Tesla. Yes. That's yeah. that's 100% of why people argue with each other over Tesla stock. If you believe yeah. in Elon and everything he says he's going to do, I'd agree. Looks cheap. If you think that they're going to hit some hurdles or maybe, you know, the Tesla robot's just this silly old thing that will never do anything, you think that full self-driving is going to take another 20 years or whatever, then you're right. You'd probably short the hell out of Tesla stock. It's just like where yeah. you fit on that spectrum of future growth kind of dictates yeah. what you think about the current valuation. So, there you go. Yeah, I mean, they it's obviously, at, 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 there's... 
there's any almost any valuation. Okay, not any valuation, but of at the current valuation, of course, there is still a circumstance where they could. It could be an incredible investment. I, I think the question is, you know, what's the likelihood of that happening and that yep. sort of thing. But obviously, yeah, it's not like if you bought the stock today, you have a hundred percent chance that they don't ever live up to the expectations. Like, of course, there's room given what they're trying to do with AI and and uh, autonomous vi- driving. There's these are industries that are massively changing, and uh, yeah, hard to model. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> hard to impossible. I would yeah. uh, put it in that basket. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, um, I'll just get on to just a couple of notes that I took out of the earnings call. Um, Elon was very optimistic for Q4. He was like genuinely excited. He kind of had to restrain right. himself for saying something he shouldn't <laughs> say, but he is very optimistic for Q4. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Berlin's up to a couple of thousand cars a week. Uh, Austin will be there very soon. Uh, ex- if you extrapolate the, uh, the production number from yesterday, it would equal 2,000 per week, but they're not there consistently. 4680 pr- um, battery cell production tripled in Q3, which is a good sign. Um, yep. I don't think that's a, a mega achievement because I think they're still dealing in low volumes. So, obviously, it's easier right. to triple a low volume. Yeah. Um, they three of them now or something. Sorry. Yeah, they're making <laughs> three. They've gone from one to three. They've pulled Rubian and gone from uh, 1,000 cars to 3,000. Yeah. We've grown 300%. 300%. Yeah, get around <laughs> our stock, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, in terms of demand, people have been spitting out that uh, kind of demand. Is there enough demand for all this stuff? Like that's been coming up in yeah. the media lately. So um, Elon said he can't emphasize enough how strong the demand is for Q4. He expects to sell every car that Tesla can make for the foreseeable future. So there wow. you go. Um, that's um, yeah. so just on that point. That's really good news because uh, I, I wasn't going to talk about this today, but uh, Winnebago reported, uh, or at least I'm not sure if they reported or they just did a press announcement, um, but uh, they're, they're an RV manufacturer. It's basically an automaker, a bit more expensive than, than Tesla's, I think. So they're mostly more um, purchased on financing, but their uh, dealer inventories, ha- uh, sorry, not their dealer inventories, their backlog has been dropping like a rock. It dropped by like 60%. Right. So they're not getting- a lot of reorders and that's, um, you know, heavily impacted by the the fact that interest rates are so much more expensive. So it's much more expensive to get these vehicles, but that's typical of the, the broader auto industry as well. When interest rates go up because a lot of people finance vehicles uh, on loans, uh, it, it's, it's typical to see a significant drop off in demand. So that again, just feeds into the, the, the strength of demand for Tesla that they're not at least yet experiencing that. So, yep. Yep. Um, that's interesting, actually. I wonder if... Uh, when does Thor release their numbers? Yeah, Thor's, Thor has weird quarters. Oh, um, okay. So, they'll, they're a little while away, but uh, yeah, we'll it see. will be interesting to see. Yeah. It, most of the RV kind of manufacturers move in a similar... They kind of move together. Um, and Thor represents so many brands that, uh, it, yeah, I, I would. they pretty much move with the industry. So, uh, mm. I would expect that they're also experiencing a big drop-off in demand. Um, I'm not sure about other automakers. I don't keep up with, with, uh, with other automakers, but I would expect they're probably going to feel a similar pinch. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, back on Tesla, we got a couple. I'll just fly through this. In terms of batteries, they're trying hard to produce uh, 1,000 gigawatt hours per year in the US, uh, all vertically integrated. So that's not including suppliers. I thought that was interesting. They didn't comment on where they are along that 
line at the moment. Um, Cybertruck, early production, mid next year. He said the car is going to be sick and it's going to be a hall of famer. <laughs> and he also said, sorry, it's taken so long. And he blamed the global supply chain for that. Um, it's going to be of the- weird seeing that car. It's going to be it's weird be seeing that car on the bloody, road. Bloody bonkers. Yeah, I know. I'm excited though. It'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll be weird. It'll be weird, but wonderful. Uh, Surely- yeah. Surely your car is just gone if you're head on with that. Oh, <laughs> I reckon so. That. I reckon you're, yeah, <laughs> you know you're, you're, in, you're in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get one just to just to prevent that from happening. Just yeah, so it's Exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only way to combat a Cybertruck is with a Cybertruck. With a Cybertruck. In terms of the semi, uh, first production units to Pepsi in December, then the ramp will begin. Um, they noted that it's 500 miles of range on level ground, fully loaded. So that's uh, it's a long range truck. They expect just other tidbits. It's just random tidbits. The stationary storage business to grow between 150 to 200 percent per year. So that's interesting. Right. Um, now there's two more things I wanted to talk about. Elon was so optimistic. He spoke a yeah. little bit about how he's just super focused on the long term. Um, and I think this is maybe going back to the whole buyback kind of thesis as well. Um, he actually said on the conference calls that there was a time where he said that Tesla could, he could see Tesla being a bigger market cap than Apple. And then at some point, they're not there anymore because of market conditions. But at some point, they actually got there. They were, they were ahead of Mark, uh, Apple in market cap. And now he said, he says that there is a potential path for Tesla to now be worth uh, more or in the future be worth more than Apple and Saudi Aramco combined. Wow. His actual quote what was- What is that, like $4 trillion or yeah, something that like that? Would, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be about, I think, $4 trillion or maybe more. Maybe Saudi maybe Aramco more. is more than that. I don't know. Um, it's the biggest company in the yeah. world, Aramco. I think. Oh, is it? Oh, is it? I, oh I then think, it would be. I think so. Then it would be probably five or six trillion. That he's, uh, for the yeah, combined, I would imagine. I, I, I'm not sure. I need to check. Anyway, he says, "Quote for the first time, I see a way for Tesla to be uh, to be twice the value of Saudi Aramco, and this is the first time I've seen that potential." So there you go. Right. I don't know. <laughs> of course, the haters will be like, "Oh, he's pumping the stock," but you know, I, te- I tend to I tend to back him. I mean. He did. Yeah. He did. He did asterisk at saying this will require exceptional execution, really innovative products, and for those products mm. to be well aligned, for the economy to not be shit, like all this sort of stuff. But yeah, and he didn't give a time frame, obviously. But he sees a roadmap, which I think was interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, given how operating margins, the demand, all of these things for Tesla are going so much better than the industry average at the moment, given the the environment. It, that do, that doesn't surprise me that he's that he's bullish. I mean, I'm sure going into this year, he was probably a little concerned about because you never really know how your business is going to you know f- go through this this crisis. But uh, yeah, given they're doing so well, at least right now, uh, yeah, that 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 just speaks to the core demand for their products, which is ultimately the biggest um, what what matters the most. So. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And then the the last thing, very last thing, I promise that this is particularly interesting for what we're about to talk about, mm. is that Elon. So Elon's an interesting guy because he's got his uh, he's you know he's got his hand in many industries. He's very in line with manufacturing. That's essentially he calls himself like a technologist manufacturing guy. So he likes manufacturing. Yep. You need stuff to be able to manufacture stuff. Um, and he actually thinks that the Fed is raising rates more than they should, but he expects that they will bring them back down relatively soon. 
Interesting. Weird. And he actually said he see, he's seeing more deflation as opposed to inflation in most areas. That's really interesting. That's interesting to hear. That is interesting to hear. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I definitely, I, if, if his statement was uh, the Fed will raise interest rates too high and then lower them, I would absolutely agree with that. I think it's, there's, I don't think there's ever been a time in history where the Fed has, there's always, uh, they're always messy on both sides. They always do too little and then inflation roars or whatever it is and they raise interest rates, they get inflation under control, but then they go too hard with interest rates. So they cause a recession and then they go back. It, it always, it's never, there's never come to what Ray Dalio calls like a perfect landing. So yeah, I, I don't think we should be expecting the US to avoid a recession. I think that would be pretty likely. Uh, yeah, in terms of whether they've done too much now, I, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. He would definitely have much more of an insight insight into, um, you know, at, at the manufacturing level, at least. Mm. Um, Thought it was so, an interesting tidbit. Thought yeah. it was an interesting tidbit. He actually agrees with Kathy Wood, what she's been saying about how she thinks it's going to be like big deflation and stuff. So, hmm. We shall see. But anyway, I thought I would put yeah. that in there because yeah, he does have uh, he does have insight into these areas. So hmm, interesting. Yeah. But with that said, let's mm. talk about inflation a little bit. Start yeah. with the US, Hamish. What mm. uh, this is for September, well, right? It's not. It's not deflation. I'll tell not you that much. <laughs> All right, scrap that. Forget. Forget. I said we're, anything, guys. We're, we're not there. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, inflation in uh, September. Uh, this is, to this be- is rear. This is rear view mirror still. So, correct. September. Yes, we're so. in October. So we're looking backwards. Yeah. Ex- exactly. We're looking at September. Uh, month over month increase for overall inflation was. F- 0.4% uh, month over uh, month uh, compared to 0.1% last month. Damn. So uh, an increase, but in the scheme of monthly increases over the last 12 months, it's, it's I think it's the third or fourth lowest. So really? It's not. Yeah, there was a number of 08 to 1% monthly increases. So Oof. it's uh, it's it's on the, it, it's, it's, it's coming down, but yeah, 0.4 is still very high. Annually, uh, it was 8.2%. Uh, and the annual inflation rate has declined for the third uh, month in a row. Uh, the annual figures declined for the third month in a row. So um, it's continued to kind of trend down a little bit, uh, down from the 9.1% peak in June. Um, so that's positive news. Unfortunately, um, I've got some ne- I've got some negative news to balance it. Wouldn't, wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't be fair just to <laughs> to be all positive. Um, however, if you uh, take out energy and food, which are kind of the volatile components of inflation, and look at core inflation, it's not looking too good. Um, it rose for the second month in a row, uh, 0.6% month over month increase, mm. uh, 6.6% annually. Uh, so core inflation is accelerating while overall inflation uh, is slowing down. So yeah, energy and food are coming off, uh, but core inflation is, uh, is is starting to pick up. And the two are actually like converging. If you look at the chart, energy made overall inflation go up really high compared to core. Uh, and now they're kind of, actually kind of meeting in the middle. Yeah, energy's um, going down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that uh, that core figure is the highest uh, since 1982. So uh, core's still, um, yeah, pretty pretty Damn. considerably high. What's driving inflation? Uh, it's always fun to look at a month, on a monthly basis what's causing the biggest increases, decreases. Uh, energy continued to decline, uh, which was down negative uh, 2.1% for the month over month. So that's a big decline again, same as last month. 
mostly driven by declines in oil and gasoline. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, for that small amount of good news, uh, apparently uh, early reports are showing uh, that energy costs are rising again in October. So um, that looks like it might be not trending (laughs) downward anymore. Uh, Food uh, increased 0.8% for the month, which is still massive, 11.2% year over year. Shelter was up uh, 0.7% and transport was up 1.9%. Those were some of the, uh, the big increases. Um, Jeez. so yeah, inflation's, uh, you know, it's, it's still pretty high. I would imagine the fed is still looking at doing continued interest rate increases, uh, given that, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, things can change so quickly. Don't we, we can't get into this. Uh, well, it doesn't really matter. We're just observing these numbers, but, uh, don't forget how quickly inflation took off. It can go down and maybe even to deflation that quickly as well. We, we really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we're just, as you said, we're looking at backwards numbers month over month. And, uh, you know, we could be looking six months out at much worse inflation, similar or deflation. So we, we really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, interestingly, uh, the UN uh, came out and took a stance this week uh, against the Fed. Uh, they Ooh. made a statement saying that uh, no more interest rate hikes. Stop back it, in they Elon. said. Yeah, they said, stop it. Stop doing it. We heard that Elon Musk said that you need to... (laughs) Yeah, apparently they've they've got a big uh, position in ARC or something, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's like the UN UN has to publish a portfolio or some some rubbish like that. And it's just Tesla. (laughs) Just like mega, mega corruption. Oh, my God. The UN's just like Uh, a major shareholder in Tesla and ARC Invest. Yeah. Oh, Oh my God. No, so that they came out and uh, and they really gave. There's really two narratives. We've we've kind of spoken a lot about the classic Ray Dalio view of what's happening, which is that a lot of stimulus on the demand side plus some supply issues um, have have caused what's happening, and, and interest rate increases will reduce inflation. This is the alternative view. That's still a very popular view that we haven't really spoken too much about. Um, but uh, we yeah, it shouldn't be. I mean, the UN. This is UN's position, so it's a you know it's a, it's a significant position. Um, they have a different view. So uh, their evidence suggests that inflation did not come from loose uh, fiscal policy or wage pressures, which are two kind of factors that the Fed believes are driving inflation as well as the supply issues. Uh, But they said, and this is the quote, but instead derives uh, largely from cost increases, particularly from energy and sluggish supply response due to a prolonged history of weak investment growth. Hmm. Uh, In an interview on the report, uh, Richard Wright, uh, the head of the UNCTAD team, uh, which prepared it, said this, uh, do you try to su- solve a supply side problem with a demand side solution? We think this is a very dangerous approach. In other words, uh, the policies being directed by the Fed are not the product uh, of a misdiagnosis, uh, are the product of a misdiagnosis of the economic situation. So I think it's more supply side, like just you got to focus more on supply. Yeah. Don't like squeeze yeah. the demand side, but just do whatever you can to increase yep. supply. Yeah. And one of the big things that the UN looks at is how uh, different essential po- central banks' policies affect particularly um, uh, lower income regions and, and how that, that's kind of rippling out across the world because it does have a big impact. We spoke about Netflix and how much of the impact FX has had on Netflix, but just think about, you know, all of the other regions that are, that, that are, you know, they're not a multi-billion dollar corporation like Netflix. Um, seeing the the world currency, US dollar, get so much stronger against their local currencies does have a real impact. So that was also in the the report about um, how it's having 
that not only is it um, the wrong way to combat inflation, uh, but it's having an outsized impact on these other regions around the world. So that's a, that was an interesting kind of take. We haven't spoken well. We've spoken a little bit about the supply issues, but um, yeah, certainly like Ray Dalio thinks it's a combination of supply and demand. And we we spoke about how yes, it is in energy, but inflation is now across the board. So potentially higher interest rates could. Uh, help alleviate uh, pressure on those areas. Um, but yeah, interesting to kind of hear um, their yeah. perspective. There you go. That is interesting. So, US inflation not looking good. Do you want me to talk about UK inflation? Yeah. Is it, is no. it better? Is it any uh, better? No. <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> no. Um, so, this is just from an article that I was reading on uh, CNBC, I think. The annual rise in the consumer price index hit 10.1% in September according to oh. estimates published Wednesday by the Office for National Statistics, um, just exceeding a consensus forecast among economic <laughs> economists, even, economicists. Economicists. Like <laughs> economicists polled by uh, Reuters. So people were, um, uh, people were, remember last month, people were like a little bit excited because it dipped to 9.9%, but nope, we're back up. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the rate rose uh, in the... The, the rate rose. The rate rose in the year to September 2022 as the country's cost of living crisis continues to hammer households and businesses ahead of a tough winter. Increasing uh, food, transport, and energy prices were the biggest contributing factors to inflation. The ONS said food was up 14.6% year on year. Transport was up 10.9% compared to last year. The price of furniture and household goods rose 10.8%, but it doesn't say their energy price anyway there you go thanks thanks article <laughs> you done me dirty um the inflation data comes just as the bank uh plans to sell some of its government bonds known as gilts from november the first britain's finance minister jeremy hunt said in a statement that quote help for the most vulnerable will be a priority as the uk weathers high inflation rates along with uh, delivering wider economic stability and driving long-term growth that will help everyone that sounds nice. That sounds that sounds uh, lovely. Oh, like, give me give me a bit of that long term growth that will help everyone. I'm I'm all for there that. Jeez, he's a people <laughs> yeah. pleaser. This Jeremy Hunt guy, love him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there you um, go. Yeah, so yeah, they're in a bit of a tougher position than the US. Yeah. It looks like they're probably going to have to be a bit more aggressive on the interest rate increases, and that unfortunately is. Um, you know, going to cause more short-term pain than than um, than some other places. So, yeah. What else does it say on Monday? I don't want to go too deep into this. This is just pretty much the same same story. Um, on Monday, the new British fi- uh, finance minister, which is this uh, Jeremy Hunt guy, he, um, who was it? The Liz Truss fired the last guy. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quasi Quateng, I think was his name. Yeah, Liz Truss. Fi- quasi, is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Quasi Quateng. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I'm probably butchering it, but yeah. That's funny. I think she fired him for this new guy, Jer- uh, Jeremy Hunt. Um, wow. But anyway, yeah, okay. on Monday, the new British finance minister, uh, Jeremy Hunt, re- reversed the majority of the tax cuts introduced by his predecessor, Kwasi Kwarteng, right. on September 23rd. And uh, Prime Minister Liz Truss apologised for mistakes that had caused severe market turbulence. Questions are now being raised over how long Truss will remain in office. <laughs> it's a pretty Jeez. vital mistake. I mean, it's like economics 101. I mean, it's obviously uh, it's uh, doing a tax cut is just pure stimulus so like yeah. I, don't, I don't know why you would do that in an inflation environment but um 
Yeah, not not exactly, yeah. I was just saying, did you see see the clip of uh, King Charles? Um, No. Where Liz Liz Truss goes back to King Charles because they only met like a few weeks ago. She's only been uh, in office for a couple of weeks. And uh, King Charles like gives her the handshake and he goes, uh, she's like, oh, always a pleasure to see you, you know, your majesty. And he's like, back so soon, dear, oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that. That was pretty funny. Oh, boy. Anyway, so I think maybe he's not the biggest Liz Trust fan. But, yeah. Anyway. right. Uh, what else? Only thing else to add to this is uh, Bank of England's next monetary policy report comes out on right. the 3rd of November. So we'll see what they do. But yeah. uh, I don't know. <clears throat> Predictions, they're going to, do you think they'll lower rates? Well, who knows? They could They could do anything. Anything. Could get- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a true fence sitter. No, I don't, I don't no, think um, you get any they, prizes they, for guessing I what really they're going to do. They're going to they're gonna have to jack rates up. Um, they're, they're looking in a very vulnerable position. Their rates are a lot lower, I, I believe, than, than the US and their inflation is higher. So they've got either some catching up to do now or uh, some real catching up to do later. <laughs> That's mm. the choice. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I hope for each uh, country that the, they don't need to do a Volcker-style uh, interest rate hike. I hope that... Uh, Look, I, I hope the UN's right, I, I, in honesty, because if it is just purely supply side and there is remedies for that that can happen over the next six months, then interest rates don't need to keep going up. That's just the, that's just the reality of it. So mm. uh, I, I hope the UN's right, <laughs> but yeah. I'm not, not super convinced. All right, let's, uh, should we finish off with some Q&A? We have been going Hamish yeah. for uh, 56 minutes, so we've got okay. a couple of so minutes we're gonna, we're gonna left. Um, do you want to yeah. pick one out? Yeah, I'll ask you this one. This is an interesting one. Uh, what's the balance between holding cash and buying stocks at a discounted price? Mm. Uh, thanks for the pod, guys. The laid back yet informative style works. Well, thank you. Because oh, uh, that's how we enjoy, we enjoy doing it. So. <laughs> I love that. Love that reinforcement that being laid back is a good thing. All right. Yeah. I will continue yeah. to be laid back. <laughs> no stress there at all. Um, geez, this is a good question, isn't it? What's the balance between holding cash and buying stocks at a yeah. discounted price? It's it's tricky because you you don't, you never want you don't want to be stuck with no cash because what if the market goes down more? But you don't want to not buy a stock that's on your watch list mm. if it's at a discounted price. So I don't think there's yeah. a necessary. Maybe you maybe you can answer this better than me, but I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. You know, X amount of cash, ten percent of cash, twenty percent of cash, always or something like that. I mean, for an yeah. investor, you might just want some cash just as like you you know, so you're not all in all the time yeah. so you don't get screwed. Yeah. Um, but I think he, here's what I said. I don't think if a, if a stock that's been on your watch list for a long time goes down past whatever margin of safety you're looking for, I would not hesitate to buy it because I would be, you know, because, oh, I, I think I should be in cash because who knows the market could go lower and I might be able to get a better deal then. I don't know. Yeah. That, that would be my thinking. I, I, I would never yeah, pass yeah. up the opportunity to buy a great business that I've been looking at for a while and it's hit a great price. I wouldn't pass that pass up that opportunity. I would always have an emergency yeah. fund of cash. I wouldn't ever go to 0% cash. Yeah. But I don't quite know where those numbers would be for me. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah, so the, the way I think about it, and Matt Peterson kind of um, – 
gave me some clarity on this. I think that that kind of helps. Um, I think it's a good idea to separate what cash you are setting aside to invest and other cash that you need. Like what you said, in having a, a, a an emergency fund is is necessary. Whatever that is for you, six months of income or, or whatever it is, set aside. Maybe you have other cash funds for for a holiday fund or whatever it is. I think think of that separately from the cash that you have set aside to invest. And then when it comes to that cash, Matt Peterson's, what he said to me was, you want to be 100% invested, right? You want all your money that you are setting aside to invest to be working uh, for you at 10, 15% compounding away. The only uh, thing holding you back from that is whether you can find enough opportunities. And that kind of has fluctuated. For me, that's fluctuated over time. Uh, there's been years where I haven't found anything and my cash kind of builds up. And there's been periods where I found a lot of investments and I've been pretty much all in, uh, in terms of the cash I'm setting aside for specifically investing. Uh, so that's how I think about it. I think that's how probably a lot of value investors think about it. Um, but yeah, uh, don't be, don't think that you want to be 100% investors. invested means put all the money you have in the world <laughs> into the market. I think that's, that's probably, it's probably not a the Michael strategy. Saylor, what's his quote like? And if you don't have any money, then mortgage <laughs> your house and buy Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. You should be doing everything you can to buy Bitcoin, mortgage your house, buy Bitcoin. Oh God. Sell gonna- your mum's house, buy Bitcoin. Like yeah. it's just, uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Um, He's in a world of hurt. I can't, these days. I can't believe he said that. I mean, I, he I has know. to have been joking to some extent. Obviously, he was being like, um, like he was How, being over the top. Yeah. But, uh, but also that clip sounds patently insane. It and when stupid. people don't know the context of it, like I don't know the context of it to be honest. I'm just hoping that he wasn't being serious. Mm. But like in ten years, someone's gonna find that clip and be like, "This guy is an absolute lunatic." Yeah. Uh, unless Bitcoin goes up a bunch, Maybe. then people will be like, this guy's a genius. I but- mean, he he's <laughs> he's suffering right now. Well, his entire reputation is sitting on Bitcoin doing extremely well. Not just okay, mm. extremely well. Uh, so He transitioned well- his company's balance sheet to Bitcoin. I think he got kicked. Didn't yeah. he get kicked he, out uh, of his company? Yeah, he, well, yeah, he, he's taking he too many down, risks. But- yeah. <laughs> It's not surprising. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's kind of gone off the deep end with cryptocurrency. So, yeah. one year return on on Bitcoin, negative sixty five percent. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'll lock it in. Yeah. Yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. I could have yeah. could have held all those NFTs and now worth nothing. Oh yeah, like you could have. Yeah. yeah, you could have been in Ark. Ark's. Ark. Well, no, Ark's yeah, probably, I don't Ark's even know. Pretty, pretty close to that, I think. Ark. About sixty something percent. I don't know. Um, yeah. What's the ticker? Uh, A arc with two Ks. I don't even know what is arc at. Oh yeah, seventy percent last twelve months down seventy percent. Yeah. Oof. Wait, peak from its peak. When was its peak? Oh, it's peak, peak to trough now seventy seven percent. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. You could so, you could have been an arc. Thank, could have been thank goodness I was in Bitcoin. <laughs> well, it's all relative, right? So yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. good then. Yeah. 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 Anyway, geez. Yeah. Carnage. Real carnage. I hadn't looked at that in a while. Anyway, guys, yeah. um, anything else to say on that one, Hamish? Or wrap this um, up? Anything else to say on cash? Um, not really. No. no. I think that's it. Yeah. No, Work hard. It. Earn cash. Spend it. Invest. Spend it all. Spend it yeah. on stocks. Yeah. Enjoy long-term <laughs> benefits of more cash. Yep. 
Exactly right. <laughs> All right, sweet. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, we are going to round things out. Of course, if you have a question you'd like to ask us, definitely go over to the YouTube version or the Spotify version of the podcast and either drop us a comment over on uh, YouTube or there's like some... I still haven't looked on Spotify. There's some box you can ask a question or something. Scroll down. Scroll down. Hamish says scroll down. Um, yep. Down you go. <laughs> down, down, down. There's the box. Click it. Ask questions. Well, not yet. We haven't finished talking. You can come yeah, back yeah, up. No, come yeah, back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still look at our pretty voice, uh, pretty faces. <laughs> Listen to our pretty voices. Uh, all right. That'll do us for today, guys. Um, yeah. Um, send us any questions or any topics you want us to discuss as per usual. Um, and as always, thank you very much for giving us an hour of your time. Um, I will not ramble on because then I'll sap up even more of your time. So thank you, Hamish, for joining. Thanks to ShareSide, as always, for sponsoring. And we'll see you guys. Oh, next week. See ya.